Welcome to today's episode of Let Me Be Brief. I'm your co-host, Andy Rieger, joined as always by sometimes good buddy, Matt Basinger of Swellspark. Matt's got an axe over my shoulder today, literally. Uh, it is very scary and frightening, and that's just Matt for you in a nutshell. We're in the Let It Fly Media Studios, joined as always by Miss Jackie Wise from Enterprise Bank. Hi, Jackie. She's waving. She's waving. One of those like interesting waves, though. Not a side yeah, to side. It was more definitely just a fingers curling wave. It was definitely a wave like she's going to get us. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless, today's guest is Michael Collins. Michael is the CEO and founder of Grace and Capital. Michael's got quite a background, though, so we're going to dig into it. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We sure appreciate it. So the softball question, what do you do? What do I do? Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you the elevator speech. So All right. We're in commercial real estate development and investment. Uh, we are obviously focused in Kansas City, but we are developing in different uh, markets across the, Kansas, uh, across the United States as well. We were discussing recently that a lot of people become accidentally in real estate. Tell, yes. tell us about how you got into real estate development and investment. Well, so it's really it was first started off as federal construction projects, actually the boring piece, right? So we were, uh, I worked for uh, US Senator Kit Bond. That was the start of my career um, on federal construction projects. So I'm working with GSA in DC. And I was like, well, I didn't learn this in, uh, in college. Mine was, my degree was political economics. And so I said, I, but I really like uh, real estate development, what's going on. So uh, IRS Service Center was probably my foray into the uh, real estate project world and seeing how it was financed and how it was developed and how it was going to be repurposed and these long-term lease, um, lease terms with um, the federal government. I said, you know, I really like this space. I think this is where I want to carry forward. And so I did. Um, I also worked for... Um, Port KC, um, where we redeveloped, started the redevelopment. Didn't work for, ran. Did, I, yes, ran. <laughs> uh, I was the CEO of Port KC for about eight years and um, uh, really helped uh, start the Berkeley Riverfront, but love what's going on without me there today. Um, they're doing some amazing uh, projects. Yeah. So it takes a special type of person to decide to start a company, to be the founder, right? To take yes. that risk. What was it about your past history experience where you were just like, yeah, we're going to, I want to do it and, and I want to do it this way. And this is with specificity, what we're going to focus on. Right. Uh, walk, so, walk me through that transition. So getting fear out of the way, um, that was what was really hampering me from moving forward. Um, I actually had some part of the business plan, um, many years ago. Um, I shelved it when I started to work at Jade on capital partners as their managing director for the real estate investment group. Um, and during COVID, I was cleaning out a old PC and found an old business plan. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Oh, I had no idea. And then I just could not let go um, of that business plan. I reopened it, just started to tinker around with it. And then it starts to get ideas from other people um, as to does this make sense in this current market? Um, the current market prior to all of the federal uh, yeah, interest rate creep up. Sure. Um, but, um, and then really started to say, why am I not doing this? I love where I was with Jade on their great corporation. Um, but really I wanted to focus on something that I could create for myself. And when you wake up and you go to bed thinking about the exact same thing every day of the week, you probably should just go after it. It's a good life lesson. Yes. Uh, so Grayson Capital, let's sort of talk about it from a high level as to like the specific projects? I mean, are you just sure. focused on these federal projects that are being leased? Like, well, what is it that are the the key things? Yeah. But then even more so, walk us sort of through the format of how you do things in terms of, 
Are you raising a generic fund that you can do whatever you want that falls under a certain category of real estate? Or is it a deal by deal capital raise standpoint? Sort of just just share with us how that works because everyone's approach is so unique. Absolutely. Um, the the close-in deal fund is probably phase two. Um, we are still deal by deal, uh, equity and debt raise. Um, but our focus is really right now on multifamily housing um, and from the, uh, I don't really call it affordable. Uh, we call it attainable because we make, we allow everyone to choose what they believe they can afford and what they can aspire to. Um, but we're focused on that. And we're also focused on public private partnerships um, where we're working with municipalities or sub, uh, or something of that nature. And, and are these acquisitions of existing pieces of real estate or are these ground up? We're focused projects. on ground up acquisitions specifically in this market is just not in our appetite or wheelhouse, um, mainly, again, because of the interest rates. But we are focused on ground up development of many different types of multifamily housing, market rate, attainable, and then obviously a spe specified workforce. So you say we. Uh, yes. How many folks are on your team? You know, when did you start it? What did the growth trajectory look like in terms of staffing? And then I'll have some follow-ups, but I'll leave it there for a second. Right. So today there's two of us, me and Andrea Young, who is a, a lawyer at Postinelli. She's great. Um, so, a bunch. Well, great, great. Good to hear that. Um, I always love to hear those kudos when I bring her name up. And um, she was at Lathrop Briar. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. And so uh, what we were focused on really is um, the pipeline. Um, that was our worry of do we have the pipeline and then it switched to infrastructure when we started to see the pipeline continuously grow in Kansas City in markets like Tulsa um, and in different markets that we're looking at. So now it's been a shift of focusing on building out that infrastructure with people um, that so that is coming next year because our pipeline in Kansas City, we're already focused on building out 600 units in Kansas City and probably another 200 plus in Tulsa. So the we is the two of you right yes. now, but obviously there are far more, you know, outside constituents that you work with as far as like, do you have other folks who are coming in on these projects? Does Emprise Bank show up and give you a bag of cash to help you fund these? Like, what does that process as far as raising funds to do this ground up multifamily housing look like? So first and foremost, we look at it. We're not kind of the traditional developer. We're always looking at just a traditional equity. Uh, we focus on traditional equity and debt. But we're also looking at impact capital that's been sitting on the sidelines for uh, quite a while. When I say impact capital, I really mean uh, truly impact equity that's out there. It's looking for a different type of developer. Um, and we came out with that. We're not going to be shy that, you know, we're a minority owned development firm in Kansas City and one of the few in the Midwest in total. Well, walk us through that, though. Just just don't get too far away from impact yeah, capital. Right. Because that's not a term that you know, we hear you're, ever. Or often. Okay. And, and, the, and the way that it's always understood is just people that say, you know what, with this set of cash, I'm willing to take a lesser return for something that I feel is impactful to society. Right. So if you're looking for a 20 IRR, probably not going to hit that with some of the impact capital. But what I mean by impact capital is really focusing on who they're um, partnering with from an equity perspective. Um, so, you know, a lot of times and I got frustrated with this. It's like, well, we're not looking at the traditional equity stack, but we were automatically being placed because they had funds for minority owned development and firms. And so we're like, okay, well, why don't we just um, see what this means? So sometimes impact capital will mean lower return, um, but um, from the equity partnership, but sometimes, and uh, those who we are talking to really just wanting to work with um, a, a different looking firm, a firm that's going to wear, you know, Air Jordans to work and not, you know, a suit is not, going to happen in our office. I mean, with 
outside, obviously different story, but internally, you know, we, we want to be laid back. We want people to have fun as we grow. That's the culture we're building. And we're also illustrating that with impact capital. That's what they want to see as well of the type of people that they're investing with. And they want to invest. They still want to invest with market rate deals. Again, it may not have the same traditional lens as some of the, what the returns we've seen in the previous two or three or five years, um, but they are still looking at opportunities. We still have over 5 million um, units still needed in the United States um, from all varying levels of price point. Um, so we think that we have ability to, to capture a little bit of market share um, out of that. And so we're, we're illustrating the, the, the need, the marketplace, the community dynamics of where we're going. Um, it helps that, we've, that I've been on the equity side as well. Um, and understanding what the partners are looking for in returns. Sure. So you mentioned that, I mean, you're a Kansas City company. Yes. Your primary focus is a Kansas City. I heard Tulsa, but even within Kansas City, are, what are some of the projects that maybe some folks might be familiar with or some, some things that you're working on currently that you're excited about? Um, well, yeah. So recently it was just announced that we are going to be uh, developing at 15th and Holmes, which is in the Northeast Crossroads um, section. We're going to do about 200 plus units of multifamily there. Um, well, pretty, pretty much um, mixed income um, multifamily. Um, and then we are still working on a project near 18th and uh, Paseo okay. in that area. Um, that's our focus to try to get that completed. Uh, we do have some other um, properties, um, that are more market rate, pure market rate that not at liberty to say where they are yet, but, uh, please stay tuned. Probably at the beginning of the year, we'll have quite a bit to, uh, to share with you. Is it Paseo or the Paseo? I don't say 18th and the Paseo cause that's just a <laughs> lot of words. Um, but if you say it singularly, it should be the Paseo, Fair. but if it's yeah, with the curious. number, yeah. it should be. So you just said, <laughs> pay attention to the beginning of 2021. Or sorry, 2023. Sorry. Yes. I went backwards, not forward. (laughs) And because you might have some things coming out. You've been in real estate for a while. You've been in government. You've been in a very large construction firm in the investment side. You have a lot of natural insight into the world. And you probably have heard a lot of opinions and you've been able to formulate your own. Yes. We're filming this December of 2022. The Federal Reserve meets next week to most likely hike interest rates yet again. What is your view on 2023 and 2024 from both a real estate standpoint, but also a macroeconomic standpoint? Sure. So 50 basis points swing, upswing from Chairman Powell. That's what I am expecting. 2023, we've, you know, we can go back into history, and I'm not going to go do this, but St. Louis Fed actually did this for the 1921 um, post, uh, influenza pandemic of what happened to those markets. Ironically, we're actually, uh, doing the exact same thing, even including the social unrest that occurred during their pandemic. They had one. Um, but we also saw a significant shift in economic activity from those, those cities across the country that were hit the hardest. And then you also saw a downward spike, but we were, we're not the same population as we were. We have to take into account the uh, baby boom generation just you know, sprinted to retire because they have their portfolios back and rightly adjusted to where they weren't, were in 2008. 
you also have those who are who are working in the workforce. We have some just a continuous demand that's not going to go down. We're going to have to focus on doing more and supplying more with less people for a while. Um, I do think that job um, job losses still will occur because of the fear of the unknown of what will happen. We will either have a recession um, or we'll either have a continuation of inflation. I do think that we're probably still going to have that from an inflationary standpoint, at least from labor, we'll probably have it from food. Um, so do I think it's going to be like this, you know, Armageddon type of recession? No. And I believe that because we've just never gone through this type of cycle before where you had this amount of people retire. You're still growing as a, as a, um, population across the United States. We're globally affected. We have how many uh, iPhones that are still waiting to be, I'm still waiting for my new iPhone, um, that said it was supposed to be here yesterday. And it, and I ordered it like two months ago. Um, we still have this supply chain issue. We still have, um, the issue of logistics and bringing com uh, components back in. I don't think that the fed is going to be actually equally equipped to handle things that are just naturally will have to occur. So will we see unemployment? Do we need to see unemployment six to 7%? I hope not, but it looks as though that's what they want to see. But so, you know, getting into your industry specifically with all of those words that you just mentioned, considering the construction market, considering right. you have to finance projects. Exactly. You know, I mean, assets have been elevated over the last two years that we all know rents are finally starting to catch up to provide normal cap rates on right. projects. But at that same time, then interest rates go up. Right. So now projects are being devastated again. Do you see or predict a slowdown in the construction market? Do you see a fire sale opportunity for lots of potential projects that you guys, even though you're ground up, maybe you transition that mindset into existing assets and rehabilitating them or putting your thumbprint right. on them? How do you view the construction so market? So there's not many value add projects to have right now, um, specifically in this market. They were taken up when they had such low interest rates. Um, we still have a need for, if we don't address the housing need of that five to six million, well, then what's going to happen is we're still going to continue to have, in, uh, rents will have to increase again because you just don't have the, the sheer supply to support it. Um, but with that said, interest rates, you know, we based upon our timing and when we started, we still think that we're in a great position because we're, we're a lot of our projects from design all the way and getting to construction. Um, we hope that interest rates would at least be stable or going back down. We actually think that it will go down. That said, our performance are, you know, going a little bit ahead and saying, okay, well, what do we anticipate the interest rate to be? Asking the question of the construction companies, are we talking a labor increase or material increase or both? We think that labor is just that cat's out of the bag and you're not going to see that go down much specifically in construction. Um, but materials, they'll obviously continue to go down. Um, will you see that much of a savings? No, but historically five to 7% historically over you know hundred years is where interest rates have been. It's not bad. So sure. we, I would love to go back, right. but um, I don't think that's going to happen. And so we have to look at those projects that actually make sense and pencil out with those interest rates, um, knowing that we're probably not going to get the same returns from the IR perspective that the equity um, investors have wanted in the past. So if rates stay at that five to seven level, let's just use your numbers you just talked about. 
Does that mean, in your opinion, that asset prices kind of have to hold steady for quite a while to allow the entire services inflation to continue to uptick so that your rents are truly catching up so that once you have this 5 to 7% interest rate, your asset has to be a certain level and then your cap rate at whatever standard percentage it is to be able to play with. Yeah. Is that something that you sort of feel like we'll probably have a frozen asset price market for the next 10 years to allow rents to catch up to interest rates? No. Well, one thing you still have to configure is um, we all know that job or salary increases are still going to continue. At what rate are they going to? And there's still opportunities, even with negative leverage deals of actually how you pencil them out. Um, You know, for us, what we've thought of, okay, what is going to be that, that um, um, rate for, uh, or rate increase or annual increase for rents per year. We think that those are going to level out for us as well, just as fast as it's leveling out for others. But we're not, what we're not going to do is try to beat some of the existing assets that may have the opportunity to actually increase their rate um, because of the sheer lack of um, supply that they have, that we have naturally um, and in Kansas City. And for us, we can't really play that game because someone will say, well, I can actually have value in this other class A product. So we have to, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get to is we, we have to um, make sure that our, our rents are not too far above, but sometimes they need to because we're doing ground up and so we're competing against someone who's already existing and they may, be have, they may have existing at 4%. But we'll also see what's going to happen with some of these construction loans that did have um, these great rates that now need to be repriced to permanent loans. Um, and so we'll see some of those and hopefully, um, hopefully those will give us um, some opportunity to be very competitive in certain markets as well. We got to start wrapping up. What it, just to take it back to Kansas City, uh, what are you most excited about, about the general growth of Kansas City and how it, how it affects you? Um, I'm excited about Kansas City. I've always been excited about Kansas City. I'm a Kansas City kid. Um, the focus here, though, is just we sought, we sought out a goal uh, for downtown. And while it's still not complete, there's a lot that has happened. Um, and even from 2010, to or 2011 till now. I mean, the amount of residents and are that have decided to move here. I'm excited about, you know, it's exciting to see kind of where the Royals may go. Yeah. Um, not where they go, but just the the banter and the discussion. I love hearing about that. Yeah. Um, I also love hearing other people's thoughts. Sure. Um, I, I also know, you know, as chair of the streetcar, um, we're expanding down to the plaza. That's going to be finished in 2025. We're extending down to um, Berkeley Riverfront, Casey Current Stadium, uh, you know, the first professional women's purpose-built stadium in America, if not the world. Um, Kansas City has a ton of opportunity um, at its sales. and Best distillery even beyond all those in absolutely, Kentucky. Absolutely. I'm looking at them. Yeah. There's so much there that um, obviously we don't have the time to talk about it, but it's right. exciting to be a Kansas City. And I think one of the things we need to do is take more pride uh, and be proud of being a Kansas City and not just asking people what they think, but expecting them to have a good time when they're here. Sure. Last question. We always ask it last outside of marriage or kids. It's the coolest thing you've ever done. The coolest thing I've ever done. Well, um, in my old Capitol Hill days, I got to go to um, Arlington, Virginia mm-hmm. um, in a 
area that most people don't even see on Google Maps um, and shoot off sniper rifles and um, a grenade launcher. Uh, and we flew there. And uh, so yes. that was that was fun. There were some other things that I got to see um, that I can't really talk about. But um, yeah, that was that I remember what I wore that day. Yeah. And what I ate. That was such an impactful day. Andy is afraid of a little 14 inch camper axe above his head. And you're talking about grenade launchers. I'm hanging out with you from this point <laughs> forward. All right. Good. So, good. Michael, thank you so much for making time with us today. Uh, on behalf of Let It Fly Media, Emprise Bank, the J. Regan Co. Distillery and Swellspark, grateful for how you're developing Kansas City, what you're doing here. And we wish you continued success as you all continue to grow. All right. Thank you very much to both of you.